Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to a Tuesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug Lanneries with Ashley Bastock and Dan Lobby, and we are talking sort of fallout from the Deshaun Watson six-game suspension, we got initial reactions from Eric K. Cabot, from Dan and Ashley on Monday, and then practice happened. And then Kevin Stefanski spoke afterward, and then we got the full 16-page ruling from Sue L. Robinson, who was the person who handed down this six-game Deshaun Watson suspension. So, Dan, we're going to sort of go through the things that we did not go through on Monday, we have more information than we did then. What was it like at practice in the hours after this news that everybody had been waiting for finally came out? What was it like in Berea on Monday? It was normal, at least from a practice standpoint. It was pretty normal. And uh, even the reps on the field were like, um, you know, Ashley and I were standing there counting reps and Deshaun Watson was taking the majority of the first team reps. Jacoby Brissett took like two, maybe three, you know, four. Uh, he didn't take very many throughout the day when, when it came to first team reps. The fans were receptive. You know, Cleveland.com tweeted out a video of Deshaun Watson just getting swarmed to to sign. This was the second open practice that he signed autographs after, which I, which I think is interesting and, and significant. Um, it just it was normal. Now stuff around it was not normal, right? Like we didn't talk to any players today. We only talked to Kevin Stefanski. Everything got pushed back a little. We, you know, we can get into that if we want to at some point, but from two to three 30, it just felt like a training camp day. Ashley, obviously I think a lot of people have seen the video that cleveland.com took of Deshaun Watson surrounded by fans. Listen, fans are allowed to root for their players, man. I mean, like this is, this is not about like trying to, chastise like you're a fan you love football you're allowed to root for your team and root for the players on your team but is there any disconnect at all Ashley of like hey this is a very specific and serious 16 page report that we're going to get into and then here's this guy at work and everybody's asking for his autograph did did it strike you in any way as some kind of hmm this is interesting so it's I will say yes, but it's like mainly because like you said, it's interesting, right? But it didn't surprise me that this is what happened. I will say that it's interesting, but not surprising. 
Um, and the reason I say that is because kind of like what we talked about on Saturday after the first open practice where, you know, there were questions coming into it about how are fans going to react? Are there going to be people protesting? Are there going to be people booing? Are there going to be people in a bunch of number six Baker Mayfield jerseys? And we didn't really see any of that. And I think Mary Kay was the one who pointed out like the people who come out to training camp and yes, like it's, it's free and open to the public, but the people that come out and sit out there for, you know, two, two and a half hours in the middle of summer in, you know, in this case, in the middle of a work day, technically are like the diehard fans that kind of love the Browns, no matter what. Um, and I know like we've put together some like fan reaction videos and things like that. I think the thing that we've heard kind of like repeatedly from these people who are there is like, they're going to root for the Browns and Deshaun Watson's a part of the Browns now. And this is, you know, one step closer to this being resolved in terms of like, when's the suspension going to come? What's that suspension going to be? Things like that. So um, I will say it was, it was an interesting reaction because I do think like from the outside world, like if you're a, I don't know, like a Cardinals fan sitting in Arizona and you see that, that video, you kind of might be like, what the heck is happening in Cleveland? Like, why are all these people rooting for him when he just got suspended? Um, I think it's very specific. Like you have to understand how this town is about the Browns and the kind of like fans who are these diehard fans who come out to training camp that he gets that kind of reaction. And a lot of quarterbacks would get that kind of reaction here in Cleveland. I have not I have not seen any specific reactions to it. I, it does seem like the kind of thing that maybe people from afar, I don't want to straw man this and be like, well, yeah. you know, somebody <laughs> might have. A, but just again, I think it's not that's not fair. This is this is not about the people who love their team. You're allowed to love your team. And if and when we get any reaction from anybody not in Cleveland who's like, oh, how dare you know, then we'll rip those people when that happens. Fans are allowed to love their team. They didn't ask for this. They didn't ask for this. They're trying to support the team that's been a part of their lives for their entire lives. Dan, Kevin Stefanski didn't necessarily ask for this either. He's the coach of this team that has a lot of talented players and a very talented quarterback with this very specific issue. He's the guy hanging out there. He's the only guy who talked about it on Monday how did Kevin Stefanski handle it? Was he flapped, right? He's always unflappable. Was he flapped? Did he, was he flapped at all? No, no, <laughs> not at all. Again, just things like normal. Um, the, only th- the only mention he made was like he apologized that things were running so late today because he normally talks at 1.30 before practice. And in this case, it was like 4.30 or a little after. He spoke after practice. So, I mean, I mean that was really the only thing that felt different with Kevin. And, I mean, you're right. This is the head coach's job in the NFL. And a lot sometimes it's really unfair. Like, as a head coach, you've got to stand up there and you've got to answer for things that you have no control over, right? A, a tweet gets sent out that you had nothing to do with and you're the guy that has to talk to the media every day, so you have to answer questions about it. Um, I do think, you know, Kevin was very supportive of Deshaun the person um, without necessarily like rebutting anything. You know what I mean? If, if that makes sense. I thought he was supportive of Deshaun the person and, and him trying to rehab his image. But I do feel like in a lot of ways, Kevin has sort of cast himself in this light of I'm the coach. This is the quarterback that this team chose it's obviously the best quarterback he's ever coached he knows that and he was right. part of the pitch meeting for Deshaun Watson so he can't like separate himself too much but ultimately I, I don't know how much he's actually sat there and said I was the one that wanted Deshaun Watson you know what I mean and I don't know that he has to do that but I do think he's 
separated himself a little bit from the actual decision without just like casting it on someone else and saying, well, I just coached the football team. So I have a lot of thoughts about the 16 page report and we have to get into that, but reports are homework. People know like reports are homework, right? There's footnotes. There's all kinds of like references to other stuff. It reads like a thesis paper. I don't, I don't want to write a thesis paper, but like, you know, you go, you cover football. You think I don't have to do this. go, go to games, but then now there's stuff. There's real world stuff that happens. So we have to get to that. I have some very, very specific things the way that hit me, but I'm, I'm like kind of treading water here. We're pushing that off because nobody wants to do homework. So we'll get to that in like three more minutes. Ashley, the logistics of this, we now have a suspension. There's going to be a suspension. Deshaun Watson is not going to play week one unless somehow they sue the league and everything gets it. There's a restraining order, whatever you call it. We're assuming Kevin Stefanski is assuming Deshaun Watson's not playing week one. How, how are they handling the reps now? And like, what is, what do we know about as we get closer to the start of the season when Deshaun Watson's not playing, how they'll have to handle the reps? Cause he's like QB one for the moment still. Right. Yeah. And that's like, kind of, this was a big theme, if you will, of Kevin Stefanski's press conference, a handful of people, including myself, like asked him various questions about this when it comes to dividing the reps. So kind of like Dan said in the 11 on 11 drills and the seven on seven session, we saw um, Deshaun Watson did take, like, basically they go through each, you know, first team rep, second team reps, first team reps, second team reps. And like Deshaun would get like three of those. And then Jacoby would get like the last one. That was like kind of how they did it the whole day. Um, and it sounds like, you know, and I, what I asked Kevin Stefanski was, did you guys have multiple plans, like based on the severity of the suspension and how that was going to make like these reps look. And he did say that we don't know what the different versions of this plan are, but what I gleaned from it, the biggest thing is what it sounds like Deshaun Watson is the number one guy and they're going to prepare him like that for right now until it gets closer to week one when Jacoby Brissett has to start. And the preseason is like still kind of a question mark. It kind of sounded to me like they maybe haven't even decided what they're going to do with that because Deshaun Watson can play in the preseason games if he is suspended, if this suspension is upheld or if it, you know, the NFL appeals and they make it longer, he would in theory be able to play in those preseason games. So that's still up in the air. But for right now, I think we're going to kind of see what we saw today, which is Deshaun Watson getting most of those first team reps, Jacoby Brissett mixing it on a couple, him mostly being with the second team and then Josh Dobbs mixing in with the second team as well. We haven't, to my knowledge, and I think Dan's as well, seen Josh Rosen take any team reps yet in those drills for people who are wondering, but that's kind of what it's looked like the last two days. And I think for a few weeks more, that's kind of what it's going to look like. All right, I don't want to hem and haw about this too much. This is, this is big kid time. We get it. This is important. When we come back, we're going to talk about the report on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Doug Lamarie, Stan Lobby, Ash Sebastock. So this was my takeaway from the report. And, and maybe this is, I, I always like, sometimes I think, aha, 
I have an angle on this that nobody has thought of. And it's like, no, Doug, that's what everybody thinks. Literally, this is what everybody is saying. It's not just you. So I don't know which one this is. But here's my primary thing. I do think there's obviously been a lot of discussion of it. Six games, is it too much? Is it too little? The report from Sue L. Robinson is the first time really where somebody who thoroughly investigated Deshaun Watson said that he did it. He did it. According to the report, he did what he is accused of doing. The grand jury did not indict. And the, the, the head law enforcement officer in that county in Houston gave an interview after the fact. Uh, her name's Kim Ogg, and she's on a podcast. And she said this months ago, I think to determine whether justice was done in this case, you're going to have to wait and see how it all comes out on the civil side of things. And then through the NFL on the administrative side of things, and then people will determine whether that's justice. So I would think from a law enforcement standpoint, right? That's the criminal court system did not indict him. We didn't even get to a trial to say, there wasn't enough evidence to indict. But that's the person who kind of had a role in that saying we couldn't indict. But man, like she put some of it on the NFL, right? Then the civil suits, when Deshaun Watson got here, guys, in that initial conf- news conference, he said, I'm not settling the civil suits. He settled all the civil suits, but one. Now, does that indicate guilt? And it's not fair to say that indicates guilt. It indicates he wants to settle the civil suits. If you want to take that in, but some people would say, hey, he's just whatever it takes to get it settled, right? Some people wouldn't say that's not enough to say he did it, right? So no indictment. And a lot of people would not take settling civil suits as saying that's proof of guilt. Sue L. Robinson, every box, she said the NFL checked every box. All the, the they had these investigators, right? They did all the investigating. She said he did what he is accused of doing, unwanted sexual misconduct with these with multiple massage therapists. And Dan, I don't think anybody has said that before. Now, is the NFL the end all be all? No, right? But we have the person who's in charge of the grand jury saying, hey, let's see what the NFL does. So if you just want to say, ah, NFL, I don't trust those guys no matter what. I throw out whatever they think. Okay. But if you put any weight on the NFL investigation, Dan, they said he did it. And that, to me, is different than when the Browns traded for him. Because the Browns spent a lot of time at that initial news conference saying, we're comfortable with him. We're comfortable with him. We're comfortable with him. Deshaun said, I didn't do it. I didn't harass. I didn't do. I've never assaulted. He has multiple quotes. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And the Browns certainly, they, I think, in that news conference gave the impression that they thought maybe he didn't do it because they're comfortable with him. They're comfortable. We're comfortable with Deshaun, the person. Dan, this report says the person the Browns said they're comfortable with did it. Is that a wrong reading of this report or is that right? I I had a similar thought just as far as like, this is the first time someone has sat down and written something out that indicated they absolutely believe the accusations to a, to the degree that they violate the personal conduct policy, which is an important distinction. Um, She did not have to, she did not have to rule whether he broke any, any laws or anything like that. But I actually, it's, I have the report open in front of me. And one of the things um, while you and Ashley were talking, I was scrolling through and I didn't read the footnotes initially when I, when I read the report and I was kind of reading through a couple of the footnotes and there's actually some really good stuff in the footnotes. And number 29 
This is exciting podcasting, by the way. <laughs> Page nine, footnote 29. She says, I acknowledge in this regard, and let me see if I can find exactly what she's talking about here. Um, but I, I don't need to find that. I acknowledge in this regard that Mr. Watson's counsel identified internal inconsistencies in the therapist's accounts and pointed out that two of the therapists testified before grand juries that declined to return indictments against Mr. Watson. Nevertheless, I find the weight of the evidence tips the scales of justice in favor of the NFL. So this is the first time that someone has looked at this evidence, has looked at what was presented to them. And not all of these were, these obviously weren't all the cases. And and said, yeah, something happened here. There, there was something wrong. And well, again, th- but it wasn't even just something. They got very specific about what the something was. They laid it out, what they said right, happened. Right. Yeah. And, in, and in relation to the burden of proof that the NFL had to present, it, it seems like you know, we can talk about the number of games, but it seems like in that sense, they, they kind of won. They kind of proved that it's likely this stuff happened. Like at least she, in, she ruled it. She four. said yes. the fo- she's a former judge. She said, yes, he did it. Now, again, what does that mean? Does that mean that someone had a secret camera that was co- recording everything and we know for sure? No, but people who investigated it, and took in both sides. This person, this expert, Ashley, came to this conclusion. And I do think it doesn't, people I think are probably entrenched in their positions, right? Which is how life works. And I'm, I don't even know that we're here to try to persuade anybody at this point. But it is a, it is a line in the sand for me that what that person, that person, the Browns were saying, we're comfortable with him, we're comfortable with him, we're comfortable with him. The person they're comfortable with has been found by the NFL judge who did this, that he did the things the four masseuses said he did. And again, it's interesting. She acknowledges in the report, there's a report of 60 plus masseuses, but there were only 24 civil suits. And then we talked to 12 of the 24, but the NFL only used four of the 12. But then all of those she found credible. So. They didn't even do everybody. They didn't even present everybody. And just the smaller number that they presented, she said, yep, I believe that. And there's all the different standards, right? Beyond a reasonable doubt, preponderance of the the evidence, there's different thresholds. And this is not a discussion about whether Deshaun Watson should be in jail or not, right? That's not what we're talking about. But the court systems have put weight on what the NFL investigation was going to say, right? There's they sort of there was a part of this was like, we can't do anything about this. There's not enough. But let's see what the NFL says. So I don't think actually that I don't think you can blow off the NFL report. I don't think people have to completely trust the NFL, but I don't think you can dismiss it. And if you can't completely dismiss it, she said he did it. Yeah. And this was actually like the what you're talking about, Doug, in this question of somebody there's now like an official record that says he did it and it's not uh in a court of law which obviously like not to go too far down the rabbit hole but like sexual assault and like rape crimes are very 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 hard in general to even get to trial like we're saying to even indict somebody and not just into sean watson like in everyday life like one in ten of those cases are going to get prosecuted and that's just the reality But this is, you know, a, in theory, a lower burden of proof. It has its own burden of proof, but it still is a burden of proof that the NFL had to meet in order for her to write this. And 
you know, I think just by reading about Sue L. Robinson and reading some of the decisions she made during her career as a judge, I do think she takes things pretty literally and weighs precedent pretty heavily. And I think that's what we saw with this because throughout this, she basically it does not exonerate Deshaun no. again, says multiple times, yes, he did this stuff that he was accused of. All three points that the NFL was trying to prove, they proved. But I am suspending him for six games because what the NFL was asking for was so unprecedented that it would be unfair for someone to expect that if they were doing these things. And that's that's important. That's important. Yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry, Ashley, if you weren't done, go go ahead. No, I was just going to say really quickly. And, you know, we can agree or disagree on that point, but that is, you know, you could say like, there's no way a reasonable person wouldn't know this behavior was wrong. Um, but, but this is how Sue L. Robinson ruled, right? Like she's the judge and that's what she decided that in order to be fair and objective, you can't retroactively go back and make the rules. But I don't, and I don't, I, I want to pause for a second because I do, I do want to separate that a little bit because yeah. I do feel like we're all caught up on the punishment aspect, but the first thing she had to decide was, did he do it or not? And yeah. then the whole punishment is a separate thing. Dan, go ahead. So, so the one, the one thing I, I wanted to, point out and just drive home. And I I think people understand this is, you know, Doug, when, when you say this is the NFL's report, this is Sue L. Robinson's report. This is the NFL had investigators who presented this evidence and Deshaun Watson's side presented, you know, tried to rebut it. It was, I mean, I don't know if they were in a conference or I don't know how the setup was, but it was essentially like a trial. And she is jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA. She doesn't work for one side or the other. So I think that's an even more important distinction here. And I think that carries even more weight than, you know, the NFL thinks he did something wrong. This is someone who is an independent arbiter who, again, appointed by both sides, a former federal judge. And she listened to the evidence the NFL presented and said, yes, I think this happened. So we we do have to have a discussion about the suspension and and why she came to that conclusion. I think there's some important points to make there actually that you were making, but I just, I just don't want to get lost on. And listen again, it's not a court of law. It's not the same thing, but if you put any weight in it, if you put any weight in the investigation, if you put any weight in a neutral party, who's a former judge who was appointed by an agreement of the NFL and the players association, I do think the headline is actually not Deshaun Watson suspended six games. I really do think the headline is neutral judge says Deshaun Watson did it. And that is on the record. And in this, the news conference that introduced him to Cleveland, he denied everything. She noted that he denied and did not express remorse. That was in the report. And the Browns kept saying, hey, we've looked into all of Deshaun's life and we're comfortable, we're comfortable with comfortable. I I think looking back, Ashley, and I don't know, it sounds like we'll talk to Andrew Barry and the Haslam's when it's finally, finally, finally decided if it's appealed or not in the final that hearing. But I don't think they're in the same place. I don't think you can accept from the Browns, we believe Deshaun. And it's like, well, you know who didn't believe Deshaun? Sue L. Robinson didn't believe him at all because she said he did it this way. He, you know, 
did the the act. He put someone in harm and he like harmed the NFL with his actions. Boom, boom, boom. All three things. It doesn't actually, does it change the lens of Deshaun Watson as a Brown? Does it change the lens of the Browns choosing to acquire him? Does it change the lens of all the things that the Haslam's and Andrew Barry said in March when he got here? Cause when they had that news conference, there was the opening of like, well, you know, they didn't indict. And they, and again, I, I don't think it was unfair. You guys can both answer this. I don't think it was, uh, this is, it's not a question. It's a discussion. Yeah. Let's have you both answer this first. Did you think the general vibe actually of the initial press conference was the Browns kind of saying, we think maybe he didn't do it. Did you think that's a, like not pounding the table? He didn't do it, but like, I don't know. We kind of like this guy. He seems nice. Maybe he didn't do it. I mean, quite honestly, like from thinking back to four months ago, which was a long time ago, I think in real time, I was like, I don't know if they believe he's innocent, but like, he's not being charged with a crime. So in that case, innocent until proven guilty and he can throw the football good. And these guys don't come around very often. Yeah, Like, I think that's a very oversimplified way of thinking it. Right. But like the biggest hurdle I think for, and to be fair to the Browns, it wasn't just them, right. There were a lot of teams who were interested in Deshaun Watson and four teams that got really down far down this path. But I think at the end of the day, the criminal, the decision not to indict him was like the trump card. It was like it, 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 that was it. That was when the trade sweepstakes was on at that point. And I think everyone just kind of figured, you know what, this guy's probably getting suspended because of like what the personal conduct policy is. And I've said all along, like the part of the personal conduct policy about making the league look bad, like realistically regardless of whether he was you know indicted with any charges like you can argue that fairly easily and she could have said i don't know if he did it i don't know if he did it but he did make the league look bad suspension and did you think the press conference when he got here the browns were sort of dancing around the idea of like like at least like plausible deniability of like ah maybe this guy didn't do any of this stuff they sounded they sounded like a team that felt like this will all eventually blow over. Honestly, they, they relied a lot on going back to their investigation. They relied a lot on touting Deshaun Watson, the person who, right, aside from this stuff, which is big, obviously, aside from this stuff, has had a pretty squeaky clean image, has been sort of the model citizen, right? And then, and that's part of what has made this also shocking. Um, but, you know, listen, I asked the very last question in the press conference. I asked, like, do you believe I asked Andrew Barry, do you believe as an organization that there was any wrongdoing? I didn't expect him to say yes or no. And it was sort of a gotcha question. Deshaun was sitting right there. I, you know, I didn't expect a great answer, but he said, we feel confident in Deshaun, the person we have a lot of faith in him. We believe that as he gets into the community and organization, he is going to make a positive impact. It was a very direct question and a very indirect answer. And I just, I thought that sort of summed up the vibe of the press conference that maybe they felt something, he did something wrong. It obviously was not, you know, neither grand jury found it illegal um, and they were comfortable making this trade, whether it was because they felt like this would all blow over or they really truly believed that, Maybe he didn't do it, but I'm just not 
a hundred percent sure that that the latter is the case. And I, I really ahead, quick, Doug. Sorry, I just wanted to say I think too part of it, like knowing the Browns and how in the past with very different situations than this, because again, like these allegations are unprecedented. You know, they've had guys come to this team who are maybe looking to to rehab their image or things like that, and they've you know allowed that to happen. And I think maybe their thought is like hey, we don't know about this stuff, but he's here now. He hasn't done that stuff while he's here, obviously hasn't been here long. And we're going to, you know, make sure it stays that way. I think maybe that's also like kind of the vibe too. Like this stuff is in the past and we're going to get through this. Like Dan is saying, we're going to get through this and weather the storm and move on from it. I think the plausible part of the deniability is gone. Like to say like, well, you know, we still don't really know. It's like, well, you know, there's 16 pages here, man. So you know, and I do think well, I will say, though, when Kevin Stefanski got asked about this today, his answer, because it was right after practice and, you know, the report came out before practice, his answer was, well, I haven't read the report for yeah. just about everything. He, he said, I haven't read the report. He said he plans to read it today. Um, so in that regard, in terms of answering questions about this, they kind of got to like stall. But oh, no, that, that and that's going to end because I'll tell you, I read right. the report and the report says he did it. So if that's the shorthand, I can send the cliff notes to Kev or anybody else who needs them. <laughs> Kev, A.B., report says he did it. Now, the most important thing in life is like, are you going to like lock somebody up for stuff? So I think it is also reasonable or not unreasonable to land somewhere in the range of, I think he did it, but I'm not sure he should go to jail for it, right? That this is your life. Is it beyond a reasonable doubt? Like, I get it. And this is that is not to take away at all. And maybe it does. And that's not my intent to take away at all from what the women who filed the civil suits against him and did talk to the grand jury and it didn't, what those women said. This is not to say, but it goes back to the point that, again, I think everybody listened to that, this Ashley it's so difficult. It's two people in a room and it's one person says one thing and one person says the other, but it's not one person says the other. It's 24 people say the other. And there's the power imbalance there. And part of what he did is he used his status as an NFL player to get the appointments, which also she seemed not to like, like that went toward like the, Hey, you're using your status, which again is like, I don't know if he did it. I don't know about this, but it's pretty iffy. And when he called to set up the appointments, he said, I'm an NFL player. That enough, I think, could lead you to a suspension. Yeah. So, uh, like, but that's not what this is. This is a he did it suspension. It's only six games, but it is a he did it suspension. And if you're listening to this to say, like, I can't believe they're saying he did it. I'm just saying the report says he did it. And it's the first report anywhere that says that. So that's that to me is huge. And even if it's obvious, reports are different. This is no more dancing around stuff. This is a lot of words. This is 16 pages. So when we come back, I'll stop ranting about that. I want to talk about the six games because I do think there's some interesting stuff there. We'll do it next on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan, Doug, and Ashley. All right, Dan. So here's the thing that I do think is interesting is he did it, she thinks. She says he did it. But then she basically, as Ashley was saying, I can't suspend him any more than six games because basically nonviolent sexual misconduct or sexual assault, the precedent for that in the NFL is six games. And I really, even though this was the most egregious example, 
It's more. That's what Ben Roethlisberger got. Ben Roethlisberger got six games and they said he did it. There was a woman at a bar in Georgia and he sort of trapped her in a bathroom. And she says that she was raped by him and he got six games, right? This is the same as that. And this is one of those, like, I don't like what about ism, except that's what also what precedent is, right? So Ezekiel Elliott had an allegation, but, but no, no criminal charges for Ben Roethlisberger. Ezekiel Elliott, six games for domestic abuse allegation, no criminal charges. So this is what they do. No criminal charges, sexual misconduct, six games. That's what they do. And she basically said, Dan, I can't give him more, even though it was more times. Because that's kind of not how this is spelled out. But the thing, and this is the main thing I want to get your reactions to, Dan, I think the next Deshaun Watson, now that this is spelled out in here, would get a year. I feel like the evidence may have led her toward a year. And then she got up to the point where it's like, well, it's usually six games and it doesn't really say anywhere. If you're accused of it a bunch of times, you might get more than that. This is kind of what we established. So that's why she landed at six games. But if they're now establishing, hey, man, if it's not just one thing, it's we have four people and actually we talked to 12 and actually there's 24 civil lawsuits, then it might be much more than that. I think this is laying the groundwork for the next time, Dan, but you couldn't pull the trigger here because there's no precedent. And it sort of wasn't in the collective bargain agreement of like, hey, by the way, you might get a bunch more games if, you, if you're accused of a bunch of things. And, you know, I think when we talk about six, it, it's easy to kind of say only six because the NFL was floating out a year, right? They wanted the indefinite suspension that lasted at least a year. But she sort of framed six as like, hey, this is pretty significant. Um, The line is, although this is the most significant punishment ever imposed on an NFL player for allegations of nonviolent sexual conduct, Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before reviewed than any before reviewed by the NFL. So she sort of indicates like six games is actually kind of a lot. Uh, Now, we can quibble with that. We can disagree with that. But that's the way she seems to be looking at it. She definitely relied a lot on precedent. And relied a lot on this idea of it felt sort of like, well, if the player doesn't know what the punishment will be, then how, I guess, how can that player kind of judge whether the action, whether whether he should do whatever it is? You know what I mean? Um, It just, she relied very heavily on the NFL, just didn't seem to, to lay all of this stuff out for players. And it would be unfair for them to... I mean, I think she even says retroactively levy a punishment that, right. that players don't know exists. I will say, I also think the biggest, um, listen, I'm just going to tell you, tell you guys what I think. I think the, big, the biggest mistake in the report is her sort of, ha- her hang up on nonviolent because does, do you have to put a knife to someone's throat? Like, I don't know, like what, ask someone who has had a sexual act perpetrated on them that they did not want and that they felt threatened in that moment and ask that person if it feels nonviolent to them. It's a power imbalance. It's two people in a room. And she is saying he did things that the massage therapist did not want him to do of a sexual nature. I I don't like what, where's the nonviolence in that? The act itself is a level of violence against a person, a vulnerable person in that situation. So I think, Again, what if he said, hey, what's supposed to do if he, if he if he says, if you don't let me do this, I'm going to punch you. Now it's violent. It's already violent. 
So I, I think that's a that that was sort of her the the thing she said to say, well, that's why it's different than other things, because a lot of this is tied to domestic abuse. Right. We know about the Ray Rice situation, and that's part of the domestic abuse allegations was part of the Ezekiel Elliott thing. But actually, I just thought that was I thought that was a misinterpretation of like societal views on sexual assault and sexual misconduct to act like, well, if there's not physical violence, there isn't a form of sexual violence within the act that he, she's saying he did. And I think that's a fair complaint that I've heard from people today or a question that I've heard from people today about what is the difference. And I think you kind of laid it out there, Doug. It's like, unless there is like a verbal specific threat of violence or like a weapon is involved or something like that, it's almost like they, you know, or like something like, like a domestic abuse situation happening it's like they don't consider it violence. And maybe it's so specific because of the domestic abuse issues, you know, within the past like 10 years that we've kind of seen unfold through multiple different ways. Ray Rice, for example, um, like you said, the accusations against Ezekiel Elliott. But I also think, again, looking at Sue L. Robinson, um, and this is that's a fair criticism to make, I think, but I just think she takes things super literally and does them like super by the book and this distinction was in there and all day I've kind of wondered like is this going to like lead to this personal conduct policy being changed like is the NFL gonna be like we're not gonna let something like this happen again like we we need to figure out a way to word this better where it's more clear and like the other thing I just really wanted to say like quick about Sue L. Robinson we have a story up like on who she is that was published in June by Corey Schaefer And like the one case, for example, that I keep coming back to that she ruled on in her career was like in the early 2000s, there were some inmates who said the conditions were cruel and unusual in their prison because there was overcrowding and they're like, we're sleeping in mattresses on the floor. We're crowded in here. It's, it's, you know, violating our constitutional rights. And she basically was like, you have food, water and shelter. So no, it is not. And that's that, that was it. It was done. You know, like the whole thing, it made it all the way up to her. And it was done at that point. Like, I just think when you look at these past rulings that she made, it's really not that surprising that she like kind of took what was given her and ruled that way. Like, I I kind of expected something like this. But but I will say, I think that's a very good point. And that context matters because it is one individual person. And again, uh, it's not the end all be all, but it's what we have. And the court systems really like couldn't do any more than they did, they felt. And they did kind of kick the can down the road to the NFL. So I don't think it's unreasonable to put weight in this neutral arbiter agreed to by both parties, her decision. I, I, I think I just don't think completely blowing that off is the right way to look at this. It's not the end all be all, but it carries some weight. But Dan, I just think you could read that entire decision point by point by point that she lays out. And then when you get to the part that says, here's how long the suspension is, I just think you're ready for 12. Like, I just, I just, it doesn't sound like a sick, it doesn't sound like the report for a six game suspension up until the part was like, well, you know, precedent. And we kind of didn't have it in there, but every other point she lays out, she's basically like the NFL claim this, Yes, they proved it. The NFL claimed this, they proved it. The NFL claimed this, they proved it. And the NFL was asking for a year. So yeah. I, I do find that, that my, I remember what my, my old job, one time I was doing a, like a, a playoff series for a baseball game breakdown. And I had like 
you know, five different categories where I ranked the teams. And it was like batting, you know, lineup, Cubs, pitching, Cubs, intangible, Cubs, manager, Cubs. No, it was all Braves. I picked all the Braves. And then I picked the Cubs to win. And people mocked me. It was like, this team has every advantage. I'm just going to pick the other team to win anyway, because crazy stuff happens. It's like the NFL did everything. The NFL proved everything. But I'm still going to make it kind of a lighter sentence because, like, you know, precedent. Right. I just think it reads like a 12-game suspension. Yeah. If I had not known the decision before I saw this report for the first time and I were reading through it, I think the first however many pages I'd have been like, oh, he's getting a year. Yep. And then she kind of turns. Um, and, you know, I think, look, I'm I'm not a lawyer. I know everybody on Twitter has become a legal <laughs> expert. What is it, Ashley? They went from being shoulder specialists to legal. Yeah, I think that was a that was a credit to Reblog. <laughs> I believe that was his joke. They went from being orthopedic surgeons to criminal law experts. <laughs> So, so I don't know how these things are normally written. If it's, if normally it's laid out, like here's, here's the case that was made. Here's how I view it. And and then, you know, here's my decision based on kind of the rules of how I'm allowed to, you know, like right. I, I'm sure there have been situations where judges have sentenced someone and maybe they've won, wanted to sentence them for longer and they just aren't allowed to, or they wanted to sentence them for shorter. I know I've seen cases where they wanted to sentence them for a shorter amount of time but they aren't allowed to by law. So it, that's almost what that feels like to me is she sort of constrained herself, even though it's a little arbitrary, she sort of constrained herself within what she has seen the NFL do before and what the NFL has laid out as, as potential punishments. And so she couldn't go to that full year, but yeah, if I had not known the punishment and I was reading this like the first eight pages or whatever, I'd have been like, Oh, well, We'll see you next year, Deshaun. And I do wonder then, Ashley, as the NFL says it's pondering whether it will appeal, it feels like there the report could open the door for the NFL to make a case of we're going to appeal this to ourselves. And right. then we're going to say, listen, she says we proved all three things. And then she said, but because of sort of the way the language was and precedent, I can only give six. Like, we're not going to get caught up in that because in the end, it's not a court of law. It's like their business. And I get it. You have a collectively bargained agreement. But our point is we all three things were proven and we're doing 12. Six is not enough when you prove all three things. And she says it's the most egregious circumstance that they've ever dealt with. I, I, it feels like the report leaves that door open, Ashley, if the NFL wants to go through it, that they would have, again, a lot of people might disagree with it, but there's a, I feel like there's some, some justification sitting in those 16 pages. Yeah. Dan and I kind of had that conversation amongst ourselves today after reading this. Like, listen, listen, you guys know, no talking. That's not for content. (laughs) conversations are useless unless we're monetizing them. So please don't have those conversations. Now we're going to have the monetized version of that conversation, which is basically what you're saying, right? Like it says he did it. It even makes a point to say multiple times, the NFL is a business and can kind of do whatever it wants. So she has like, I think left the door open for them to have a fairly, you know, decent reason in their eyes to appeal this and say, look, 
we proved clearly it says here we proved all three things that we wanted to prove and guess what they changed that punishment to that suddenly there is a new precedent that if this would happen again or something similar would happen again ah look well deshaun watson got suspended for you know whatever i'm not going to make up a, a number that the nfl will go after but you know they they can set the new precedent if they if they just throw out you know this ruling in an appeal and Dan, I do think that she uses, she references the Ray Rice situation. She references the Tom Brady situation. She references the New Orleans Saints bounty gate situation. And doesn't she sort of, the whole point of this is this is the first case under the new system because previously some of the commissioner rulings in the NFL felt a little slapdash, right? That, that they right. wanted to get away from that. Again, I'm not, we're talking about what the report says. Maybe you disagree with it. Maybe you don't believe it, but I don't, it's not slapdash. Both sides had their moment to present their case. There were investigators involved. And I, I do feel like she, it's like they kind of, Roger Goodell has bungled a lot of this stuff, right? The idea of like, oh, why, why would anyone listen to anything associated with the NFL? Cause the flight gate was a, ridiculous, right? Why would, but I think their whole point is we want to be better than that. We want we want to be more cohesive and and have real evidence that's presented. So so I do feel like the NFL maybe would be empowered of like we're better at this than we've ever been. And so we're going to feel empowered. This was a real investigation. We think there's real evidence. And we're not going to ca- get caught up in things that have been ruled in the past or exactly how stuff is written because this was done correctly. And it, it is like a new era of this, right? It's like a new era of how they're going to try to handle things. So there's screw-ups in the past, not that they are off the hook for those, Dan, but maybe they're less applicable to this situation. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see like the NFLPA. The NFLPA obviously was somewhat concerned that the NFL would see this ruling and say, hey, this is nice, but here's what we're going to do, right? That's why they released that statement. On Sunday night, ahead of the ruling, they get out ahead of it, right? And the messaging today, I thought, was very obviously from everyone involved. And the NFL was certainly complimentary of Sue Robinson and, and respectful of her. But but their their statement was a little different just because they left the, the door open for appeal. Everyone else was sort of like, well, we respect the process. We respect what Sue L. Robinson, you know, this is the process that the NFL and the NFLPA put in place and we respect it. And it was very, it almost felt like everybody was trying to send this message to the NFL. Like, this is the process. You can't go rogue on this, but the reality is the NFL can go rogue on this if they want. And I do think if they read this report, you know, I, I, I not in their heads, but I could see somebody sitting there reading this report and saying, we've got something here. We can, yeah. we can at the very least add some games to it. And I guess it comes down to, do they feel like they can add two games or do they feel like they can add 10 games or 11 games? And if it's closer to the latter, then that's when they say, okay, we're going to appeal this. So I do think there are some people who are, who would view that as overreach, right? Again, it's kind of a weird system that the NFL is a party to it, but then they're also the final decider. If they appeal, they appeal to themselves. It is an odd system. Maybe fix that part of it too. I just, well, that's it's, it's, again, it's, that's but it's the process. But yeah. that's why the NFLPA, you know, when they were they doing the CBA, yeah. they they were insistent they wanted it like Major League Baseball. Like 
it goes to the commissioner first. He decides, and then we appeal to the independent person. Right. And the NFL and wouldn't budge flipped. on the order. Yeah, they yeah. wouldn't budge on the order. And it's it, this is why they kind of still retain that that ability. So there's a lot there's a lot of process in there. So I do think if the NFL appeals and if they increase the suspension, some will view that as overreach. But Ashley, and we'll we'll wrap up here. I do also think uh, there are definitely people right now who are viewing six games as too few. You can find a lot of things on social media, people talking about all the suspensions that Josh Gordon faced in his NFL career for smoking weed. Calvin Ridley is currently suspended for a year for placing bets on games. Again, the bounty gate stuff, the deflate gate stuff, the idea that like deflate gate is four. And then all of this is only six. But I do think the NFL, when they're policing their own deal, and there's nobody else to do it. They're like, this is our game. We're going to protect our game. This is our this is our tennis court. Nobody else is going to deal with Calvin Ridley. Nobody else is going to deal with football inflation. Nobody else is going to deal with, you know, Sean Payton was suspended for a year. Nobody else is going to deal with bounties on players. You don't go to a court of law for that. This is our thing. And when it's clearly only their thing, I think they're very comfortable ruling on that because it's our game and we're going to protect it. So I to some degree, yes, there's a lot of what Sean Payton got a year and Deshaun Watson got six games, but I just think it's almost not worth thinking about the two things because one's real life and one's not. And it's just reversed. Real life is more serious, but to the NFL, what their authority, I think they believe in their authority more when it's an NFL related thing. You know what I'm saying, Ashley, like that? I think they're more comfortable dropping the hammer, but it's you also can't ignore it. You also can't ignore it. And I do think, uh, you know, there's public perception to this when people say all these seemingly piddly things compared to sexual misconduct. How could they get more? I think that's why they do it. But I don't think it's. I don't think you ignore it completely. Right. I think they are separate how the NFL views it. But this is just real life stuff. And people are saying if Tom Brady got four, then six for Deshaun Watson isn't enough. Right. I mean, I, like that's out there. That's out there. The people who think like who are making those comparisons and saying this is way, way, way too late. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely again, I think I understand why people have that complaint. I guess I would just say like this is coming after all that. So like the, the context of that um, and just the fact that the procedure is different. Like, again, this whole thing with Sue L. Robinson this is the first time we've gone through it this way. And it's the first time the NFL has gone through it this way. And I just think like, she did mention some of those things. Like you said, she mentioned deflate gate, for example, but I don't think she weighed them exactly the same. I think she looked at a very specific category and said like, you know, yeah, like Tom Brady got this much for deflating footballs. And now we're going to give six to, she didn't say like, because he got four, I now have to up it to X amount because we're talking about 24, but we, you know, we only heard four uh, cases of these women. I think it was just all about, here's what happened in the other cases that involved like similar cases that did not involve violence. And it was defined like that. And she stuck to that. And that's why it is what it is. And again, I think people who have criticisms of this, and again, like, People who say, you know, any kind of sexual assault is a form of violence. That's a fair criticism. This is a fair criticism. I think it's understandable why people are thinking like that. But Sue L. Robinson did not think like that when she did this ruling. And I think that's pretty clear. 
Okay, can I, before we go, because yeah. I'm actually genuinely curious about this. Um, this is going to be kind of a turn from the, the tone of this podcast, but I, I let's say the NFL appeals this. I want to know from each of you at what point you start to think, wow, that's a lot more than I expected them to go. So going to put you each, you each have little fake buzzers in front of you right now. Okay. okay. Starting at six. And we're going to, isn't there a prices right game? Where find, they like I'm going to find the yodel. A buzzer the yodel. line. I'll yodel while you do it. Buzzer. You each have a Wait, little, a little what? hold on. Fake. Let me see if there's a buzzer. I'm just going to say buzz because I'm old. I can't find a buzzer online. What are we, when do we buzz, a, Dan? When so do we buzz? A normal, a normal podcast would just ask, so what's the number of games? What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, slowly increase the number of games okay. and i want you to buzz not when you think this is what it's going to be but when you think like i think the nfl overreached does that make sense yes okay so six is the number we're starting at six that's the zero ashley has found a buzzer apparently no oh. i couldn't find it i gave up <laughs> all right so we're, we're turning this whole thing into a game show, which is just super. No one's going to get upset about this. No. Um, all right. So seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Buzz. Ashley's buzzing at twelve. I'm going to keep going to see where Doug buzzes in. Fourteen. Buzz. Okay. So 12. neither of you let it get to a full season. I, I my ahead. threshold was doubling it. So like I think doubling it's really hard to justify if you're the NFL that this is like, hey, this is our new fun process that was collectively bargained, but just kidding, we're gonna throw out this ruling and literally double it. And you know, we know that they wanted for Mary Kay's reporting 12 games plus like a hefty fine, which she didn't give him a fine. And again, really quick to bring up the report one more time. The one interesting line I think that is getting overlooked in this is that when she was going through, like, you know, here's, you know, things going against Deshaun Watson, like his ex- lack of expressed remorse. Um, he didn't tell the NFL about the first filed lawsuit in a timely manner. But one of the mitigating factors, she said, along with him being a first time offender and his excellent reputation in the community, was the fact that he paid restitution. So, that caught my eye because I'm like, did she give him credit for settling these cases the way mm. he did? So that's also interesting to me that, you know, she said that, but the NFL wanted this whole fine on top of like a 12 game suspension in theory. I think doubling it. I, I'm right there with Ashley. I think they could say we're going to double it, but that's it. Like I would have stopped at 13 because you can't go one more than doubling. I, I do think the idea of if this, if the, the players association had got it what it what it wanted which was a Goodell ruling first and then an appeal to a neutral arbiter i think it's very possible that Goodell would have suspended him for a year and the on appeal it would have been reduced to 12 and that what might happen instead is that the arbiter gives him 6 and Goodell ups it to 12 you can't do a year when Sue L Robinson gave him 6 a year's off the table a year you're going to get sued a year people are going to go nuts. A year you're going to get accused of overreach. I think a significant suspension that's more than half the season and is double what was handed down, but is less than a year hits the spot of this is incredibly serious, but we're not knocking out a whole season. So I, I think that's right in the Ashley and I are right on the same page there. 
What do you think, Dan? Where was your buzzer? <laughs> I, I probably would have stopped after 10. So whatever number came after 10. So yeah, probably oh. about where Ashley is. Yeah. Um, I, I think 10 is about, I think 10 would rile up the NFLPA. I don't know if it would rile them up enough to sue the NFL. I think 12 is a lawsuit or, or like, like, you know, I think they're suing them at that point. And the, the, the hard part of this is this is an official document. There was an investigation. She's a retired judge, but also it's kind of made up because it's not a court. Like it's what I, I understand it's yeah. collectively bargained, but also like some of the stuff that's like, well, we have to go by precedent. You know what so, sort of isn't going by precedent anymore. The actual courts in America. So like the NFL, like Sue L. Robinson is sort of like my hands were tied because of precedent. It's like, what are we talking about? Right. That this is it's not real. It's a football league that is assigning punishment to an employee. So some of this, I think I understand her motivations, but I also think it's might be pretty simple to be like, yeah, well, we're not worried about that. Twelve. So do we want to? Well, it's too. It's kind of like Dan said on the emergency pod this morning, like employers can kind of pretty much set whatever policy they want. If you're like a private company, you know, you're as long as you're not the government, you can kind of have like whatever policies in place you want. If I went on Twitter tonight and made a Twitter thread of like 75 reasons I hate Doug, I'm sure I would hear oh. from our boss about it. You'd probably, get, you'd probably get promoted. I like it. I would either get promoted or I would get a stern talking to the next day and like, I don't know, something would probably happen. I, I should really read like an employee handbook, quite honestly. <laughs> um, something would probably happen, right? Like, you know, well, normal everyday people can but, do things that get them in trouble at work. But also we don't have a union anymore and we don't want to be dismissive of a collectively yeah. bargained agreement between a union and an employer. And that is important. And if they sue, I mean, that it, it it's not fake. I, I shouldn't have said it's fake, but it's also... Not a court of law. It's not a court. So. It's totally different. So I also I also think the other element of this is we're going to see just how much the NFL respects the NFL PA and respects this collective bargaining agreement. Um, because maybe they feel like, you know what, we can just sort of do what we want because we've got all the power. Like whenever they sit down and negotiate a new CBA, just the structure of the league is so difficult it always puts the NFL at an advantage. And I think we've seen that over and over again. Um, and but I'm even going through the COVID stuff, right? The NFL was determined they were going to play and they pushed forward and they certainly negotiated with the NFLPA. And, you know, JC Treader certainly trumpeted the victories that the NFLPA got, but the NFL very often just kind of goes into things like we're going to bulldoze ahead and, We'll give you a little carrot, NFL, PA. We'll give you this, but you got to give us this. Well, so there, there is a world where maybe the NFL just doesn't care, and that that would not surprise me. But the other thing, and 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 we'll wrap it up with this: is this is how everything gets couched like this these days in politics, in life. Everything is winners and losers. Everybody, everything is people exerting their power. People, when do you give? When do you take? But it's a lot about power. And really, ideally, maybe in a Pollyanna world, it actually should be about what's the right thing to do, right? And regardless of who's in power, like what's the right thing to do here? And regardless of the relationship between the NFL and the Players Association, regardless of whether this is the first case, the the way this is being decided, and regardless of 
what they did with Ray Rice or Tom Brady or Bounty Gate or all those things. If you go by the report, which is kind of the whole point that they commissioned the report, they commissioned the investigation and they commissioned Sue Robinson to make a report and make a decision. I think if you read the report, the right thing is more than six games. And so I think that's out there. Now, I'm not going to be naive to the power and all the, the, the opposing viewpoints of the two sides. But I go back to this does not read like a six-game suspension to me. And so for the NFL to say it doesn't read like a six-game suspension to us, this is, we think this is a pattern. We think this is a person who has denied it the whole time. And we're going by a report and an investigation that says he did it. Six isn't enough. I don't care what the, it's not about what the players association thinks. It's not about precedent. It's, this is not the right thing. There's a, he deserves the right thing to do is a stiffer punishment. Is that Pollyanna, Dan? Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Ashley, like, is there, is there room for that? Is that, is that possible that that's the motivation here? Or is this a gazillion dollar business and that's not how it works? Uh, the latter. Okay. The latter. I tried. I tried. Yeah, and again, I mean, in a perfect world, it's Pollyanna-ish, but there's a lot at play here that's more than this one incident, too, if we're being honest. Like we said, this is the first time going through this process. Um, it is what it is at this point, but I don't think that the, the Pollyanna-ish way of looking at things is nice, Doug, but that's not how I would think of it as, I don't think. And, and I do wonder what having 23 of the 24 suits settled does. Because I do think yeah. there was some concern from the NFL side, like, oh, we still got four of these things out there that are going to be heard next spring, and we don't want to have to revisit this. Well, now there's one. And as, as someone on another podcast said, one is not zero, but it is one. And it's more likely that one could get settled. I feel like one is not zero would be a good name for a podcast. <laughs> it would be. It'd be about it was, computer programming. I, I think if I remember right, I was listening on my ride home. I think it was Nora Princiati on the, the Ringer podcast said that. A very insightful comment that is just a statement of fact. One is not zero. <laughs> one is not zero. Um, so again, and, and my final caveat will be this. We don't 100% know what happened. We don't. But what we are going by is this report after an investigation and this ruling that everybody has been waiting for. And I'll end with this. The report says he did it. For Ashley Bastock and Dan Lobby, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. <laughs>